Welcome to this episode of Telecom Talk. I'm Mike Murphy from NEF, and today I'm joined by Bill McGuire of Connected Communities Consulting. How are you doing today, Bill? Just fine, Mike. Thanks for the opportunity to join you today. It's great to have you. We're going to have, a, I think, a very interesting chat about smart cities. Uh, before we get into smart cities, if you don't mind, talk to me a little bit about your background. You have, I think, a very impressive background that I'd, I'd really love to share with the audience, if you don't mind. Thanks, Mike. Yep. Um, well, I'm here in Washington, D.C., uh, and I'm a recovering government bureaucrat, I guess you could say. Uh, from 2009 to 2013, I worked on the BTOP program, the Broadband Technology Opportunities Program, which was run out of the U.S. Department of Commerce. It was a $4.7 billion broadband initiative involved uh, deployment of more than 100,000 miles of fiber, uh, broadband demand programs throughout the country, and it connected an awful lot of public computing centers as well, which were real gateways that allowed the underserved communities to access the, uh, access the internet. Um, so I left NTIA within the U.S. Department of Commerce in 2013 and started working on smart city type issues. But boy, I'm really drawing on a lot of that experience working with communities uh, that are trying to um, figure out the best way to make sure that they're connected for the 21st century and that all of their residents in their community are connected. So that BTOP project will um, stay with me for some time. You know, the enormity of that project, Bill, being a telecom vet and having been around the industry for a long time, it was always an interesting challenge when talking about the rural areas and, and how to bridge the digital divide from the standpoint of being, you know, a person that worked for larger carriers. And there was business cases and business models and all sorts of things that dealt with density and number of homes passed on the residential side and business density yes. in urban metropolitan areas. And they'd come back and say, it's not fair that the rural communities get skipped. And, you know, for purely from a pragmatic business sense, we looked at it and said, but there's no commercial value. We can't make any money doing it. So therefore, it has to be a government-based program or something that's subsidized in some other manner. Maybe it's not government-based, but the program that, you know, BTOP that you, you folks put together and put in place, I think, built a tremendous amount of fiber in areas that fiber just never would have been built if it was left to you know, just general commercial availability. So great job with that, Bill, and, and appreciate your your service there. And, and uh, also would, you know, like to, to talk more about smart cities today, something that we hear a lot about. And, and people talk about, well, we're going to create a smart city or there's a need for a smart city. I think the first thing that you could do for me to find what does that mean? What is a smart city? To me, I think what what a smart, connected community ultimately means, and I choose those words carefully, it's a, is an effort to use new technology tools, including new connectivity that's available, uh, new computing power, cheaper sensors, to improve the quality of life of inhabitants in communities, cities, suburbs, rural areas improve resource efficiency, and build an innovation-driven economy. Um, so these are pretty 
broad goals that I associate with a smart connected community project. Uh, but, but that sort of definition comes from working with a lot of these communities at a high level. It's really about, you know, that innovation driven economy, about resource efficiency, and then about improving quality of life. So, so Bill, let's unpack that a bit more. Uh, so if I'm mayor of a large metropolitan area and someone approaches me with the concept of smart city, what are you selling me? I mean, what's the what's ta- tangible benefits of smart city? Yeah, I mean, probably what what we're selling you at this point is something like connected devices. So we've got some very uh, notable and visible smart city projects going on across this country. Uh, one is of note is in your backyard, Mike. There's the uh, sofa deployments in Boston. You know, sort of connected uh, park benches where people can uh, have access to to Wi-Fi and recharge. Of course, there are kiosks that are have been deployed in cities, including New York City and Kansas City. Provide information again. Provide wireless connectivity. More and more, those kiosks we anticipate and those connected devices like the sofas will collect uh, an array of information, maybe including air quality, maybe including uh, pedestrian traffic that walk by those sensors. So probably if you're a mayor being sold some sort of application, uh, smart lighting and uh, smart parking or other sort of applications of this smart city uh, sector. Um, but what I'd like to suggest is, you know, the right way to think about smart city is to, to think about uh, not just what's available now, but um, what we can anticipate being part of our urban landscape and rural landscape in the future. I'll stop there by saying, as a mayor, you're probably being you're probably being sold a solution uh, and a particular solution, but the vision of the smart connected community is much larger than any of those particular solutions. Absolutely. And it it seems like it's a phenomenal concept. And, you know, I was in New York city and we were meeting with a couple of the fiber providers. They were talking about the project in New York city to, you know, convert the pay phones um, sure. in those kiosks to Wi-Fi hotspots and allow people to access things and collect information. And, you know, part of it ends up being things that were, you know, very practical items as well. So, you know, going back to that thought of a mayor of a city, you know, first responder network type information uh, through, you know, we, we, we can bleed here into the Internet of Things, but everybody's connected and there's devices everywhere. And I guess the idea of having a smart city will provide the fabric over which everything else rides. Is that a, a fair statement? Well, I mean, I, I, I think that, Mike, given your expertise and the presumed expertise of a lot of the people listening to this podcast, it's probably okay to, to talk about the kind of technology stack of the smart city. The experts that I've learned from um, have made me understand that you know the vision of smart cities is is going to have a, a communications layer 
that is providing wired and wireless connectivity around this area. Uh, those, that connectivity is going to empower devices that are going to be collecting information, transmitting information. There'll be some analyzing of information at the edge, as they say. Um, so there'll be data analytics that occurs uh, either in the cloud or, Mike, perhaps you've heard this concept of the fog, um, sort of with that happening at, more at the edge. And then there's an array of applications, uh, many more than uh, we can imagine now, uh, that will be built to take advantage of all of that technology that will be deployed. So when I think of the vision, and I'll admit to being a little bit of a geek of smart city, it really is that you know, layer of, of technology enablement, connectivity, devices, and uh, analytics. And then the, the holy grail uh, is that these new applications that entrepreneurs and others will develop to ride on top. And uh, I think they'll be the um, elements that we talk about in the future as really kind of changing the way we live. So the applications will be the visible output of the smart city. All the technology below that is kind of, kind of, kind of be behind the scenes, and then you'll have these applications that right on top of the network that will allow for game-changing type things to happen. That's how I see it. With, you know, we talk a lot about Internet of Things and, you know, just this proliferation of connected devices. There's a tremendous amount of momentum there behind, you know, connecting things together and providing new technology. What's the biggest you know, limitations within the smart city environment? I mean, what are the things that you see as the obstacles today or impediments to deploying these types of networks? I think one of the real challenges that, that limits the growth of, of smart city is that we're still trying to work through public-private partnerships, public-private uh, dialogue um, about how uh, governments and technology partners, including universities and for-profit entities, nonprofits, are going to work together. Uh, we know that government has a large role to play. Um, you know, they provide, in effect, a platform. They have the things, right, of the Internet of Things. They have the buses and oftentimes the poles and, uh, you know, plenty of buildings uh, and vertical real estate that will all be part of uh, you know, successful smart city deployments, we imagine, these things. Uh, but but um, this dialogue about how government works with these different partners uh, is something that is uh, being, I think, worked out in real time. Uh, and, it, and it does mean that you know, it's going to move in fits and starts, I think it's fair to say. Interesting. And with the things, you know, the things that you're talking about there, access, and let me back up a step. So myself and a, a couple of partners own an internet service provider here in the Boston area. And one of our biggest challenges is access, whether that's access to conduit systems or it's access to buildings or locations. One of the things that I've always felt very strongly about that government could help 
alleviate a big problem. And, and so our growth as an internet service provider is, is very much stunted by the fact that everyone from property owners to the city itself with rights away and permits and everything else it makes it very, very difficult for us to grow quickly and deploy network quickly. And it also costs us probably two or three times as much as, as it could because of a number of these different locations, um, rules and obligations. I guess my question is, you know, what in the smart city model, how is government or how would you propose government solve some of these access problems? Yeah, it's a great point. Um, so I've certainly heard about the need for expedited permitting in, um, you know, and the challenges that different permitting processes in different jurisdictions can create for uh, those who are seeking to deploy wired and wireless services. In the smart city space, um, I, you know, leaders, uh, one of the leading examples of a smart city in the United States is uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, and there was a gentleman from Chattanooga that said that he really thinks what that, what that city's working on is really expedited partnerships. Um, because Mike, in your business, it's pretty well established by entities like yours and by government entities that you're providing a understood and known service. In the smart city space, boy, there's so many more unknowns. Um, and it's, it can be a challenge for governments to figure out how to procure something that's not well-defined uh, and something that for which the, the return on investment is, is not that clear. So there are some cities, Chattanooga is one, Pittsburgh is another, uh, interestingly enough, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, along with some of the work they're doing on their uh, rights of way um, involving deployment of 5G, is really trying to answer the question, how do municipalities, how do local leaders who are really committed to uh, leading the way on smart city how do they get involved and engaged uh, with partners? So expedited partnership uh, might be something that more and more cities start looking to. Um, not just pilot programs uh, that can be too often, I think, thought of as science experiments, but actual meaningful partnerships that uh, enable testing and evaluation of new innovative products and services. It's something that I, you know, I feel like is sorely lacking and would certainly limit the growth of some of the concepts as, you know, providing municipal wide fiber networks and, and things of that nature. We, we work across the country and it's probably 90, 10, 90 percent of the cities that we work in are either neutral slash indifferent to the process or they're adversarial. And there's probably 10% that have embraced the idea that facilitating the service providers is going to provide a better technology base and infrastructure, and it's going to provide more efficiencies and business growth and make the city more competitive and all of these things. I guess taking a step back when you look at, and we're you know, digressing here a little bit, but as you look at the, the city and the infrastructure within the city, there was a concept that was floated a handful of years ago in, in a broadband summit that I was at in one of the cities that we were working in. And it was really the idea of when they put sewer into a city, 
they charge betterment fees to every building and every home along the way to connect to the sewer system and it helps fund the system and they do all these great things. And this idea was floated that if you wanted to build a citywide fiber infrastructure that will allow a multitude of providers access to many, many buildings, why wouldn't you go the same route? It's a utility and it's utility infrastructure. I guess, what, what's your thoughts on that type of plan where it's a citywide type of thing and saying, hey, everybody's going to have to pay X number of dollars to connect to this network and it's a utility and then that's going to allow everybody that's a service provider to access that network and service the city. The cities that have access to um, abundant fiber, um, Chattanooga, we talked about the Google Fiber cities, the cities that have been fortunate to have their um, you know, municipally owned utility do an extensive build out. These cities uh, seem well poised uh, they have that sort of fundamental layer that I talked about earlier that I, I and other you know, experts believe will be the uh, layer on which the smart city stack is, is developed. Um, so it gives them all kinds of advantages in terms of uh, deploying these pilot partnerships, um, in terms of engaging their... Uh, uh, citizens in any number of ways, um, you know, in communicating as as more and more of us are becoming more and more comfortable communicating with our government uh, via our sm smartphone and, and and other access points. So, um, Mike, I hear your question loud and clear. If you don't mind, I'll sort of dodge the how we get there and answer uh, uh, that I'm in violent agreement with the idea that we need to get there uh, to a place where access uh, like that that you're describing is ubiquitous and available in all of our communities. I'll have to admit, I'm not exactly sure the, the right way to get there, but I know we're going to need to do it. Yeah, it's a, certainly a multifaceted challenge there. If we look at, you know, fast forward to deploying a smart city network, we've talked a, bit, a little bit about different benefits and things. I guess if you could give me, you know, two or three very tangible benefits of that type of network, what would you expect to see? One of the very first benefits of uh, engaging effectively in uh, deliberations around a particular community's smart city approach is really not technological. I, I know that we're we're talking tech and telecom here, but it it allows a community to engage a variety of different stakeholders. You know, smart city is a little bit broader than just telecommunications, and to be most successful, uh, we're going to need to engage a lot of different stakeholders. Um, and allows that community to kind of identify some shared goals. Uh, in some ways, I think it's fair to say that smart city technologies are, are really sector agnostic. So if you're in Charleston, South Carolina, and flooding is a concern, connected community projects uh, may very well provide um, solutions or provide data that can can create 
uh, or provide a key input into the creation of a solution. So I think the, the very first and maybe you know most important, I, I would argue, benefit of um, the term of a community leadership deciding smart city is something that's going to explore is the development of these shared goals. Once you have uh, shared goals and you've um, developed something that uh, is something in the way of a solution that involves sensors and analytics and applications writing on, on top of all of that, then I think you have something that is part of um, you know, an economy that can be shared. So you've got no doubt um, interest from other cities that are interested, uh, that have similar challenges and would like to see if that kind of solution could work for them. I think you get a, um, a possibility as a local community of becoming a hotspot where um, you know, flooding or uh, disaster-related IoT projects and applications are developed, for instance. Um, we see some of that happening, Mike, uh, in, the in the transportation space um, with a city like Pittsburgh determining that it's, it's not going to be left behind on the autonomous vehicle. Uh, Portland, Oregon has also um, released some, uh, some good work and some policies that suggests that it really wants to be engaged. So I think smart city provides a, a way for communities to determine their goals and maybe uh, provides an avenue for uh, communities to differentiate themselves and become, uh, you know, if Detroit was the epicenter of uh, automobiles in the, in, the ninth, in the 20th century, uh, you know, we might see a number of different epicenters of smart city application development in the 21st century. And I guess my final question for you here, Bill, how many, you know, as a percentage maybe, of the major cities have a plan to do some sort of deployment of smart city? I think we're still at the beginning of smart city uh, as my answer. Um, certainly the larger cities uh, we'll all have something related to parking. More and more of them have something related to lighting. Um, uh, Government-related data initiatives that are present in a lot of cities certainly have a role to play in advancing uh, you know, these smarts and connected community projects. So we have a lot of cities um, with uh, some activity going on. Uh, but I think in the United States, from what I've seen, we're still a ways behind some of the cities in Asia and Europe that have really kind of more holistically dived in to the um, promise of the Internet of Things and sensor deployment and the sensorization of their cities. Um, Barcelona, Seoul, Korea, uh, Singapore, these seem to be examples of, of cities that are uh, have really made a commitment and investment in this, um, you know, smart city future we're discussing. So um, I don't think anyone, any government leaders that might be listening to this podcast should feel that they've missed the boat. Um, but the time to start planning, uh, engaging stakeholders, determining what the assets and, 
advantages a particular community has that could be leveraged, I think that time is now. It seems like that would be the process is to start to evaluate what the goals and objectives are and create a, a clear plan. And then from there, start to map out a strategy that's going to involve that public private partnership and, you know, clear milestones along the way. Uh, as we look to wrap up here today, Bill, anything we missed that you want to touch on? Well, Mike, I, I'm knowing uh, where you come from and where no doubt your audience comes from. I just emphasize that um, having an abundance of fiber in a community um, is an extreme advantage. You know, when we talk about um, uh, planning for a community that looks at assets, um, you know, fiber deployment and access to fiber um, is an incredible asset in so many of the different deployments that we see, uh, whether they're smart uh, building initiatives, whether they're you know uh, resident-facing kiosks or smart parking or smart lighting, all of these sorts of uh, solutions uh, are strengthened. Uh, the, the numbers look a lot better uh, when there is fiber available. So. Um, what a, a, a diet of fiber is always good for uh, us human beings, and it, it's a good thing for cities as well. More fiber than a brand muffin. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Telecom Talk. Bill, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Mike, thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. And if you'd like to learn more about Connected Communities Consulting, uh, Connected dash communities dot consulting. Thanks so much for being with us today and we look forward to talking soon.